Welcome, Bird Gang. Two takeaways, three sacks, 36% on third down, as well as season lows in passing and total net yards allowed. The defense certainly did its part this past Sunday and without its full complement of stars. We look back at the defense's performance and the job Vance Joseph has done through the season's first three months. Plus, a look at where things stand in the NFC West and the entire NFC. It's Cardinals Cover 2, episode 361, and it starts now. Welcome to Cardinals Cover 2 with Craig Grigalou and Mike Jarecki. Cardinals Cover 2 is presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, and by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. Murray rolls to the right, throws near side, defense caught, and he's into the end zone for the touchdown! Here's Craig Grealu and Mike Jarecki. December football is here. MJ, what does that mean for a football fan, especially a football fan of the National Football League? Well, depending on how you play in December, it's going to dictate if you're playing in January. And the Cardinals will have one game in January, that Week 17 game on January 3rd. But I get what you're saying. You want to be playing past Week 17. You want to be playing games in January, not just a game, but several games in the month of January. And you don't want to crawl in there. You have to build momentum over these next five weeks where you just – I mean, obviously the goal was to get in the playoffs. Every team goal is to win the division, but right now that's not going to happen. But you want to be playing – Good football. You want to have momentum going into the postseason. First day of December here on this Tuesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We had a chance to hear from both Kelvin Beecham and Devondre Campbell earlier and both brought up unprompted about December football. And I like what Campbell had to say, quote, December football is where playoff football starts. This is where you separate yourself we control our destiny, end quote, and he's referring to, as you said, having these five games left to go with the Rams coming up on Sunday. Yeah, I mean, uh, in the Cardinals, you know, they, they built up some equity and, and credibility, you know, getting off to a good start, um, but it hasn't been the same over the last couple of weeks, and, you know, we're going to get into the matchup with the Rams just because, uh, you know, since Sean McVay's been there, they've been the hammer and the Cardinals have been the nail. And it's got to change at some point because if, if you want to, you know, win division games and win home games, um, this is going to go a long way considering you got to play these guys twice in the next five weeks. So this is a very important matchup. But there's nothing like December football when your team is playing for something. And let's be honest, Craig, the last few weeks they should have felt when they got on the field – that the playoffs have already started. You, their um, error for minimal loss. I mean, it's 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 so small when it comes to the margin of error for this football team at this point. Yeah, and they are limping into December football with two straight losses and three of the last four. But to Campbell's point, everything that they want to accomplish this season is right in front of them. Take care of business over these final five games. And yeah, you're playing into January and we're talking about the postseason, something Cardinals fans have not seen since 2015. So we will get more into that as far as what it means for the Cardinals, as far as the NFC West, as we typically do on Tuesdays. And of course, looking at the rest 
of the NFC because even though Sunday was not a good day for the Cardinals, it did turn out to be an okay day because they got some help when we start looking at the scoreboard, and that's what we're at. We're at the scoreboard watching part of the season here heading into week 13. A lot of the attention since Sunday, MJ, has been what went wrong, specifically the offense with a little bit on special teams. How about we focus today on what went right and specifically the defense because there has been a lot of angst amongst the fan base with defensive coordinator Vance Joseph. To a certain extent, I understand you have to get a stop on third and 13. You have to get the opposing team off the field. You can't allow end-of-half scores. You can't allow end-of-game scores. But by and large, if you pull out and do a 30 thousand foot view of this defense here in 2020 one it's remarkably improved from a year ago and I think that stems from having more of the system in place and guys familiar with that system so not a lot of change like we've seen over the last couple of years and then I just think the job that Joseph has done with the personnel that he has because MJ it's changed almost like on a week-to-week basis Who's in, who's out, who's hurt, who's on the reserve COVID-19 list? Yes, every team is dealing with it, but I think Joseph has done a good job in handling that and managing it and putting players in position to be successful. Yeah, and, you know, Cardinal fans, you know, they watch a game for three hours and then all of a sudden they want to fire this guy and that guy. Listen, I mean, let's be honest, going into the season, they had DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, They pretty much had the same starting offensive line from a year ago. Uh, with the addition of Calvin Beecham, they had the you know basically the same skill position players, and to me stability uh, both with the head coach and the quarterback. And we'll get into what's happening over the last couple of weeks. But considering the defense, you know they added at least four or five new starters. Um, they obviously uh, drafted Isaiah Simmons with the eighth overall pick, and you know it seems like he's making strides. Um, so the offense should be carrying this football team. And that hasn't happened. I mean, they've shown flashes. I mean, when you're ranked where they are and they're still ranked, they're second right now in rushing the football. They're still up there, maybe second. And they're behind the Chiefs. So that's you can hang your hat there. We're more about wins. The Chiefs are winning. I think they only have one loss. And then points scored. And, and you go look at the last two games, you know, 612 yards total. Um, they, they haven't had a lot of splash plays. So when I look at this, it's, this is the time where – you have to make adjustments, and you know. Hopefully, the Cardinals realize what's at stake here, because um, you know how I feel about losing streaks, and you gotta, you gotta, you gotta stop this losing streak. And you know, you, you look at the Hal Mary play. This team, um, they're lucky to be where they are right now. But again, you gotta give them credit when they started off six and three. Yeah, that run of three in a row and four of the last five. But right now, it's two straight losses and three of the last four, and that certainly you want to see change but it is going to get harder and that's where December football comes into play because the game slows down whether that's because of the weather especially if you're traveling to the east coast but teams kind of there's just a different intensity level and I've never played it but you just hear from other players and you can kind of see it on the field as well maybe the officials call it a little bit differently Uh, you let them play a little bit more becomes more physical because so much is at stake and this is going to be an interesting five game run specifically from a defensive standpoint because I think this team has done numbers wise they're an average defense which I think we would all accept heading into this season 
At certain points, they've been very, very good. Other points, they've kind of let the team down. But overall, this defense right now and the three metrics that Vance Joseph always looks at, scoring, points allowed, red zone defense, and third down defense, they are right there. They are 14th in scoring defense, allowing 23.5 points per game, which is outstanding. There's a whole group of teams kind of bunched in that area. So that's a top 15 defense. Third down, they're top 15, allowing just under 41% on third down. And then when teams get into the red zone, Cardinals are fifth in allowing touchdowns. Just 52.6% of the time, a Cardinals defense is allowing an opponent to score a touchdown when they get inside the 20-yard line. Yeah, and and again, um, Vance, one thing we've learned, maybe it started maybe in the in the second half of the season, maybe the month of December, but the Cardinals are the most splits team in the NFL. And, you know, we haven't fixated on losing Chandler Jones and Corey Peters because every team has injuries. But we were talking two captains on defense. But he brings pressure, and, and that's something – that obviously when you when you talk to the players, the, the worst thing could have happened is bringing a new defensive coordinator, and we know that wasn't going to be the case, but four coordinators in four years, and, and you're starting to see his fingerprints on this defense and what his – you know, his blueprint is going in every week. It's it's to, you know, rush four or five, six, and get pressure on the quarterback, and hopefully your back end doesn't give up those big plays. But, um, again, I don't think he gets enough credit uh, considering that, you know, this, this defense, you know, a couple of years ago they were the worst in football. Now I know that it was different times, different coaching staff, a defensive-minded head coach, uh, different personnel. Um, but they're head and shoulders where they were, you know, when maybe the first month or the second month last year from this point. And here at this stage in the National Football League with how good offenses are, yes, you always want your defense to be top five, top ten. You want to be number one. I get that from a coaching standpoint and a player standpoint. But in order to win in the National Football League, you don't need a top five defense. You need a top five, top ten offense. But if your offense or if your defense is just good, which I think this defense is, you can be very, very successful. That's why it's kind of been disappointing this season because the defense has held its end of the bargain. The offense has been kind of up and down. Yeah. And considering how many players they've shuffled in and out, you know, at one time it was a safety position that was thin. And then you look at the D-line position. Then they got hit with the, uh, you know, COVID and some injuries at linebacker. So uh, no excuses. But um, I do like the way he calls the game. And, and there's there's a difference because, you know, a lot of times you have a plan going in. This is what we're going to do. We're going to try to take away this guy. Maybe this guy is going to, you know, have a good game. But we're going to, you know, focus on, on the guys that touched the ball the most. But um, I like where they're at. And, and obviously they could be a lot better. Um, you know, but I will say this, though, as a unit, um, you could see there's a lot of trust in Vance Joseph. And that goes a long way knowing that he's going to make the right call and the players are looking forward to the call because it's going to give them an opportunity to make plays. They follow his lead. Yes. And it was an interesting look in the most recent edition of Cardinals flight plan. They had Vance Joseph. He wasn't mic'd up, but a microphone caught him huddling around with his players. He kept screaming. The mistakes are mine. The mistakes are mine. The effort is yours. The effort is yours. Meaning, if something doesn't happen on the football field, then it falls on the defensive coordinator unless the players aren't doing their end of the job. And I think that is what players appreciate. We want to be 
successful on the football field. We want to be put in position to be successful, and I think Joseph does a good job of that. And then, of course, ultimately the onus falls on the players to be in position where they're supposed to be to stop a run or stop a pass. Yeah, and, and probably we don't discuss it enough because when, you, when you're the uh, defensive coordinator, I mean, that that's where the focus is. But I think they got a good staff. I, I like the fact that bringing Brinson Buckner back and, you know, they, they definitely have improved when it comes to stopping the run. Um, and then you look at Billy Davis and, and, you know, the secondary coaches, and I like to name them all, but I think they got a good staff over there. And, and the fact is these guys have been NFL coaches for a long time. they got great experience. Some are position coaches. Some have been coordinators in the past, like Billy Davis, three different teams, Arizona, Philadelphia, and San Francisco. So I, I think, you know, he relies on his position coaches to teach technique during the week. They all come together and make the game plan. But I, I think they got a good staff on defense. I really do. Well, you mentioned it when he was hired, talking about Brenson Buckner. And it was a year earlier when the team announced Sean Kugler as the offensive line coach. And then you look back at last season and you could certainly pinpoint that Kugler's hiring certainly was one of the better, if not one of the best moves made in the offseason, what he did to that offensive line. Are you seeing the same thing with Buckner with respects to the defensive line, considering the amount of shuffling that's been happening up front? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I was expecting more out of Jordan Phillips you know, they gave him a five-year deal. Uh, we know that he was a guy that, you know, had nine and a half sacks last year. Vance had some intel when he was in Miami. I was expecting more from him. Um, Zach Allen, you know, the, 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 I like Zach Allen. Problem is uh, he's got the injury bug a little bit, and we'll find out more there. Uh, losing Corey Peters. So based on who they're rolling out there, and they pull guys off the street, and they have, you know, elevated some of the practice squad guys, and I'm kind of intrigued with Dogby, um, you know, um, so it's it's kind of hard to grade him, but I know how he coaches, and he's no nonsense. So if you're not doing your job, he's going to ride you. And sometimes, you know, in training camp, he was hard on, you know, Lucky Foto and Rashard Lawrence because he has to, you know, um, break you down to build you up. So I don't want to say it's an incomplete grade, but I know how he coaches, and he's getting the most out of his players. Yeah, and I think and that's that, important. That might be the best thing because certainly you can only do so much with the talent you have but then of course if you uplift everyone and it is a unit it's it's different than an offensive line Correct. which kind of works all together sometimes a defensive line whether it's two guys at once three or four they're all doing a little bit something different and yeah to a certain extent you have to work in tandem but sometimes one guy will rush forward and occupy two guys and then another guy has a different assignment altogether yeah I mean you know you look at Kyler Murray in the offense they don't come off the field unless there's an injury um, uh, the wide receivers for the most part Hopkins plays the, the majority of the game but they rotate at the wide receiver and tight end position on defense you usually go with your secondary unless you want to go nickel package linebackers you can bring in some passers um D-line, you have to have a rotation. You love to stick out, you know, three or four guys and you're going to play the whole game. That can't happen because you want to make sure these guys are fresh, not only in the fourth quarter, you want to make sure they're fresh in November and December. So that's one position you rely on rotation. And, you know, obviously looking at the depth chart, um, missing Corey Peters and Jordan Phillips and Zach Allen, let's be honest, that's how the season started as starters. So I do give him credit. I just know how he coaches, and he's getting the best out of these players, and it's only going to get better once, once um, you know, Phillips comes back, we'll wait on Josh, uh, uh, Zach Allen. 
Um, but I think if they can get some of their guys back, Rashard Lawrence is a guy that can, you know, plug the the middle. They think he can do more than just be a, no, a defensive tackle or nose tackle. And Lucky, he was making progress. And you know, again, these guys are rookies. But when you get to uh, after Thanksgiving, you know, the, in college they played you know 10, 11, 12 games. Uh, some of these guys have been on the shelf for a few weeks. So uh, hopefully they can get some production of, of those guys before the off season starts. Bird Gang, if you haven't already, we recommend you update to the latest version of the Cardinals mobile app today. The update features an all-new redesigned home screen experience. Visit azcardinals.com slash app for more. Let's continue on that topic as far as the defensive line and the rotation and just the amount of turnover that this defense has had this season. Just look at the available defensive linemen on Sunday at Gillette Stadium. Angela Blackson, Trevon Coley, D'Amato Petco, Michael Dogby, Stacey McGee, Zach Allen. Only one of those players, Zach Allen, is a starter or was a week one starter for this team. And a handful of those players I just mentioned weren't even on the roster just a couple of weeks ago, a couple of months ago. And that certainly is something that every team has to deal with. But then when it's just one position group, and earlier it was the safety position, and they're still kind of dealing with that as well with Jalen and Deontay Thompson. The Thompson twins still uh, not quite ready to play, at least as we stand here on this Tuesday, but not really aware of who's going to be available for you on a Sunday morning. And I believe it was Dave Pash at one point. It might have been Ron Wolfley who made a joke, hey, Brenton Buckner and Vance Joseph might have had to introduce themselves to some of these players or name tags when they got into the locker room and the position rooms because they had just arrived and they hadn't had a chance to say, hello, how are you, and get to know each other. It's, hi, this is what we do, go do it. Yeah, and, you know, sometimes it works, and, and sometimes you get a guy like Pecco who's, you know, obviously been in the league a long time in Cincinnati where Vance was there and then he was in Denver. Um, he's a guy that you pull off the street, um, but he's a plug-and-play guy, just like Marcus Golden, because of the experience and the familiarity with the coordinator. So that that makes sense. But when you start naming those guys, no disrespect, but um, those are not household names. No, it is not. And you look going back to how this season began and what you anticipated defensively. It began with Robert Alford not even making it to the regular season. There's one starter. And then Chandler Jones gets hurt. There's another starter. Corey Peters gets hurt. That's three starters now done for the season. And then this interesting note from Mike Helm, manager media relations, StatWiz. StatWiz. Cardinals have nine players on IR. Eight are defensive players. The only offensive player currently on injured reserve is tight end Darrell Daniels. Everyone else, a defensive player, either on hopefully to be able to return or in the case of Jones, Peters, and Alford, they're not coming back at all. Wow. I mean, I, I know they've been hit, but that's – wow. But, and, and, again, that's why we're talking about guys that you're probably not familiar with. Um, but you got to give the coaching staff credit because they get these guys ready, whether they get them on a Monday and they get it on the practice field on a, a Wednesday and they got to fly out, they get them ready to play. And so, that again, that's why I'm encouraged with this defense. I mean, I, I know that, you know, we look at how many points you give up. You know, you know how I feel about sacks. They're so misleading. Um, but they've done a better job. You know, that front seven, you know, when it comes to, you know, look, look at Cam Newton last week. I mean, we knew they were going to try to run the football. They didn't run for 250 yards. Uh, they, they they forced a couple turnovers at defense. He only threw for 84 yards. 
Um, you know, they didn't have any really splash plays. I mean, Cam Newton was a, a big run, but for the most part. So um, they're getting better, but it's just one of those deals where we watch the game and you have to make a stop. And that, and that Cam Newton run play, uh, I think everyone in the world thought he, there's no way Josh McDaniels and Bill Belichick can let him throw that football. Um, so, But for the – I, I go with body of work, how they played over four quarters, because we always talk about five or six plays, and we can you can do that every single game and say this is the reason why they lost. Um, but they kept that offense in the game based on containing Cam Newton. Yeah. He was pedestrian. 84 yards passing, a season low for the Cardinals' defense as far as net passing yards allowed. And that was Cam Newton's worst game as a pro. His quarterback rating was below 24. I mean – Below 24. It looks like yet, he was trying to throw a shot put out there. And he's the one that comes away with the win despite turning the ball over twice. He was picked off. He was sacked three times. He couldn't get the team to convert on third down. And this is all the Cardinals defense doing. Yet at the end of the day, it is a team sport. You need all three phases to work together. And sometimes it's the offense. Sometimes it's the defense. Sometimes it's special teams. And when one area is not doing well, the other two have to pick themselves up and help out the other unit. And that was the case on Sunday. The defense did its job to get the offense back on the field and allow them to try to score. It just didn't materialize. Some other numbers with respect to what is happening with this Cardinals defense. And again, credit to Mike Helm, a.k.a. StatWiz, for these numbers with respect to the Cardinals defense. And yes, it's doesn't materialize in wins and losses, but this is what this defense and specifically defensive coordinator Vance Joseph has dealt with this season. 24 different players have started at least one game. Jacksonville, 25. They're the only team that has had more. 16 different players for the Cardinals have at least one sack. That total ranks number one in the NFL. Nine different players with two or more sacks. That total ranks number one in the NFL. Five different players with an interception. Three different players with at least two interceptions. Only the Colts, Chiefs, Saints, and Buccaneers have more in that category. Those are impressive numbers. Hey, StatWiz always comes through for us here on Cardinals Covered Sue and the Arizona Cardinals well, overall. But if you listen to the fan base, you know, uh, they got to get rid of Vance every week. If, if the defense, you know, gives up a, a long drive, they got to get rid of Vance. I I totally disagree, and you're entitled to your opinion. I appreciate your passion, but uh, I was watching the same game at times because um, I, I, I definitely think, you know, again, um, I'm not saying they're carrying this football team because it, when you're ranked uh, number one in yards, you know, the offense has done a really good job. They're close to 29-3 scoring points per game. That obviously goes down about 27 now, but this defense has played well enough to keep this, uh, this 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 team in games, and I think that's important because we're expecting this offense to break out, and they talk about it, and we haven't seen four straight quarters of high potent offense for different reasons, and, uh, negative plays, um, pre and post snap penalties, um, you know, just just some bonehead stuff that happens at times. Um, but th- if this defense was ranked in the 20s and 30s. Um, I don't think Cardinals would have a winning record. No, and this defense, again, deserves a lot of credit for what they've accomplished given the circumstances as far as the shuffling of players in and out, the number of injuries, the reserve COVID-19 list. And then, yeah, there have been some hiccups. Tua Tungavaloa played very, very well in his first road start earlier this season. And like it or not, I mean, you're not going to stop 
a Russell Wilson. It's almost impossible. He has to almost stop himself. Yet in that first game at State Farm Stadium, there were enough defensive stops in the second half and overtime for the Cardinals to get a win, despite at the end of the day that defense allowing 34 points in an overtime win. So you can certainly make stats look however you want, but the bottom line is these aren't excuses this is just the reality of 2020 and I think you need to really take a hard look at what this defense has accomplished through the numbers and yes also does it pass the eye test because that also needs to be figured in as well yeah and you know you, you look at Devondre Campbell I thought he got out to a good start and then you know maybe you know maybe in October I didn't think he played as up to par and then he had an injury but I, I thought he was one of the better players on the field last week you know I thought Jordan Phillips would come in here and, and be a three-down uh, defensive lineman and Corey Peters. So, you know, maybe they didn't got the production from some of the free agents they thought. You know, Kennard off got off to a good start. He only played 11 snaps last week. Um, you know, they they also have Hassan Reddick and Marcus Golden now, um, and they're also playing Isaiah Simmons. So that could be the reason why. But, you know, when you can you know come in here and 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 we talk about frozen turnovers and. You know, to me, they did just look like a defense where when they show up and they're on the field, they feel like they can win the, the majority of the battles. Again, you're going to go against really good quarterbacks, good, good play callers. So um, it's not easy. Um, but the fact is, um, at the end of the day, what I can say is they're getting the job done. Absolutely. And those three players that they added in the offseason that you mentioned, Phillips, Kennard, and Campbell, early in the season, they were leading this defense. Now, there's been a little bit of a drop-off specifically with Phillips and Kennard. Campbell had a dip. He had a calf injury, but he did play very well against the Patriots on Sunday. And then you look at a Drake Kirkpatrick who rated very well, according to Pro Football Focus, on Sunday and someone that a lot of people wanted out of town just one week earlier because of that taunting foul against the Seattle Seahawks. Yeah, and, and, and he, it was a selfish play, and hopefully he learns from it. Uh, you know, Cliff obviously will have that conversation. He already has, but a lot of times you want to let the guys cool down. He, he knows he's going to let his team down. But that was another good pickup. You get a veteran guy that has experience with the coaching staff. It settles things down where Byron Murphy can play in the slot and Patrick can play on the outside. You know, and, and so – yeah, I mean, and then Jonathan Joseph, he's getting a chance to play. I mean, I, I know he's up there in age, but he's a really savvy veteran. He could play inside. He could play outside. He could play man. He could play zone. And, you know, uh, to me, when you look at their top four corners, you know, they got some guys with experience. You're not, you're not relying on, you know, a Chase Whitaker or a Chris Jones where they lack experience and it only takes time for a guy like Whitaker in the future. But you you got, you know, when you look at your top four guys, um, Trey Kirkpatrick and, uh, and Jonathan Joseph and Patrick Peterson, they got major experience, and that can help you when, you, when it comes to maybe having a young front where they're kind of still learning their positions. And perhaps the best development of this defense here though, so far this season, at least the second half of the season, has been the play of Isaiah Simmons. And we've talked about the defense, and it's the first time we've brought up his name. Of course, we did a huge – part of the show last week after he had that great performance and a loss against the Seattle Seahawks. But you look at what Simmons has done now, and yeah, they slow played him. He's slowly come into his own. He didn't play a lot, though, on Sunday, and that might have been more of a matchup thing than anything else. 
but he is certainly making plays when his number has been called, and that's what you like to see because here we are in December football. Let's go back to how we started this show. You need players to be making plays, and Simmons has made plays when he's been on the field. Simmons, 16 snaps, 30%. Murphy, 20, 38%. But, you know, Banjo got up more, more uh, action. And Drake Patrick was out there for close to 80% of the snaps. And then Buda Baker and Patrick Peterson, they pretty much played the whole game. So, you know, you could see they're, they're, they're shuffling guys. And a lot of times when Isaiah is going to be called upon, it's down in distance. And when, when they want to use some of their sub packages, and if you don't teams don't get into third down, he may not get the 40 snaps. But I, I like where he's at. I think he's definitely shown progress. And like I say, uh, like I said, um, you give him a full offseason, a preseason, this guy will be a three-down linebacker next year, starting next to Jordan Hicks. Well, keep in mind the Patriots officially only ran 51 plays as an offense, so not a lot of snaps to be had on that defense, especially if you're rotating guys in and out. Well, you look at Reddick. I mean, he's playing 96% of the snaps. I mean, Golden, he's not on any different snap count, but he played 37. But you're right. That's a great point. <laughs> Usually teams have 65 to 68 offensive snaps. The Patriots only had 53. Bird Gang, make sure you subscribe to Arizona Cardinals Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Listen to your favorite shows on the go, like Cardinals Underground, The Big Red Rage, The Cardinals Red Sea Report, and, of course, this show, Cardinals Cover 2. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcast for more information. As we continue here on this Tuesday edition of Cardinals Cover 2, presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals, as we do each and every Tuesday. Time to go inside the NFC West. Where do things currently stand in the division? The Seahawks, after their win last night against the Eagles, they are number one in the NFC West with an 8-3 and three record. The Rams in second place, then the Cardinals and the 49ers at 5-6, and six, bringing up the rear. But just going back to what these teams did on Sunday, MJ, let's start with that team that is now leading the division in the Seahawks. It was not a great first quarter performance by the Seahawks. They were stopped on fourth down twice. Russell Wilson did not look good, but they play four quarters, not one quarter, and the Seahawks able to get the win on the road at Philadelphia. Never easy, even though the Eagles aren't great this season. 23-17 the final. Wilson, by the way, 10-2 and on Monday Night Football now. Yeah, he plays well in prime time. And, you know, the reason why they're in the driver's seat, first of all, they got to eat wins, and they're going to play the Giants, Jets, in the Washington football team, and then they'll finish out with the Rams and the 49ers. So uh, they're in the driver's seat, and when they got Chris Carson back last night, I'm like, that's a really good one-two punch between Carson and then Carlos Hyde. You know Carlos Hyde's a free agent in the offseason? I did not know that. Do you know who the number one free agent running back is based on a list I looked at yesterday? Is it Hyde? Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake. Okay. I know Patrick Peterson was on a list high up as far as the he, top free agent cornerbacks he are. Was, yes, and he was 14th overall when we came to the top 50. Yeah, anyways, I don't want to digress, but they look like a different team with Chris Carson. And then the way that D.K. Metcalf's playing, unless he's going against Jalen Ramsey or Patrick Peterson, I mean, uh, if you're the Eagles last night, and I, and I watched the press conference afterward, and I'll give a lot of credit to Darius Slay. He took full responsibility. Yes. He said, I usually you know, get some of those 50-50 balls. But they paid him a ton of money uh, to come in there and cover those number one wide receivers. And then Jim Schwartz, before the game, made a comment to D.K. Metcalf. I was in Detroit, 
and uh, you're not Megatron yet. Well, if you look at how many games they played, he's got better numbers than Megatron, and so he has a chip on his shoulder. But if you're the Philadelphia Eagles, knowing that he he grew up in Philadelphia, and you're watching your wideouts last night, and let's, let's get this straight. Every team passed on Metcalf at least twice, including the Seahawks, okay? And the reason why we were at the Combine, and he had a neck injury, he, didn't, he wasn't very productive in college because of injuries, and he was a one-trick pony. And, Craig, you and I have talked on and off air. How much have I talked about Russell Wilson working with D.K. Metcalf? He's become a much better route runner. He's physical. He can get off press coverage. I mean, he's, he's a freak out there. Um, and I give credit to Russell Wilson because off-season workouts, after practice, I watch their videos. They, they go on – not that they go on vacation together, but he'll meet Russell Wilson. We know Russell Wilson works out 360. So give credit to the Seahawks for recognizing it. But Wilson and give Metcalf, he's put the work in. But I'm telling you, at the Combine, there was major red flags about the neck injury, and he's a one-trick pony. So, but um, you look at it, I like where Seattle's offense is at, and defensively, you know, I'm not a big Carlos Dunlop fan. Um, he's got an injury right now. We'll see how long he's out. Um, but when, when they get their secondary going and um, you look at Jalen, um, Jamal Adams, um, they got something going there. And you look at the, you know, Bobby Wagner and, and K.J. Wright, I think their defense will get better. Uh, I think we got a chance to see that last night. But I, I really like that one-two punch. And so there's not, it's not going to be a surprise. They're going to win the division and not just based on their schedule. And they went through their, you know, little rut there where they lost three out of four. Um, But Russell Wilson did enough last night. He didn't have to be Houdini. No, especially when you've got Metcalf catching 10 passes for a career-high 177 yards. And to your point about Metcalf at the Combine to where he is now, a couple of things. One, he might have fallen into the best situation, the fact that he was passed over, passed over, passed over, and now all of a sudden you've got that internal motivation to get better. And perhaps he did hear all of the talk, so now he worked to get better. I'll give him all of the credit. You wonder, though, hey, if he was a first-round pick, would he be having this type of success? Sometimes it's all about where you land and what the situation is. And, yes, the Cardinals passed on DK Metcalf. But the Seahawks also did pass on – Yes, and the Seattle Seahawks, once upon a time, did pass on Buda Baker. So And they passed on Russell Wilson at least two or three times. That's true, yes. Because they signed Matt Flynn. And Pete Carroll, I mean, again, I'm sure a lot of uh, owners went to their GMs and head coaches and say, where'd you have Russell Wilson? Let's pull out the uh, uh, the draft grade. Oh, he's too short. Well, we heard that about Kyler Murray. It goes back to what General Manager Steve Kime always says. When you're evaluating these draft prospects, you can't measure what's in the head and you can't measure what's in the heart. And I think Metcalf took it to heart that he was passed over and needed to work on some things. And it's certainly paying off right now for the Seahawks, who at 8-3, and three, number one in the NFC West, number two overall in the NFC and will host the Giants this coming week. With their win on Monday Night Football, they knocked the Rams to second place, and the Rams did themselves no favors, losing to the 49ers at home. First home loss of the season for the Rams, 23-20. At one point, the Rams trailed 17-3, and all of the talk coming out of Los Angeles, and we'll get more into it as the week progresses, but Jared Goff and the turnover machine that he is, Three turnovers on Sunday, two interceptions, one fumble. Head coach Sean McVay called him out after the game, quote, our quarterback has got to take better care of the football, end quote. 
Now, he softened that a little bit the next day, saying he never considered benching golf. But there is certainly an issue there when your quarterback can't hang on to the football, not unlike Russell Wilson earlier this season, turning the ball over left and right. Yeah, I mean, to me, if Goff is – if he's getting protection and he's able to utilize his his weapons between Robert Woods and, um, you know, throwing Cooper Cup, who I think is one of the better uh, slot uh, wide receivers in football, I think Cole Bees is in that same boat. But – and then you, you, you just look at, you know, he's got to have a perfect game. He's got to have the great protection. If he if he's starting to get hit, he, he gets a little skittish in the pocket. And, you know, they, they also – you know, want to run two tight ends so they can mass protect him. They're going running back by committee. It seems like between Henderson and Brown and Cam Akers, um, you know, they seem like they ride the hot hand. Um, but I've been more impressed with their defense. Uh, they, they they kept uh, the linebackers coach. He he's only 36 years old. You can see he relates with the players. Nothing against Wade Phillips. He, he obviously cut his teeth as a really good defensive coordinator. And then you bring in a guy like uh, Jalen Ramsey, you could do so much in their secondary. So I think the Rams are the most complete team, but they're so up and down. And, uh, you know, they, they, they can score points, but they're not scoring like they used to in the past. Yeah, the defense that you talked about, three takeaways, and they did have a score as well. And then you look at what they've got coming up on the schedule. Obviously, they'll travel to play the Cardinals this week, and then they're home to the Patriots, home to the Jets, at the Seahawks, home to the Cardinals. So not a – That's not a walk in the park. No, especially even though you've got the Patriots at home, but we know what can happen sometimes, especially with the Bill Belichick team team of course the Jets and then you have to travel to Seattle and then perhaps one of a, 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 a seeding game if you will week 17 when they'll host the Cardinals well I like that because um you know what Belichick did to Kyler Murray what Be- Belichick did to Jarek off in the Super Bowl held him to three points you're probably going to see something in that now I don't know if New England could score enough points but in this case they only had to score 21 to beat the Cardinal or 20 Now let's take a look at the 49ers because very quietly all of a sudden they have kind of reemerged as the playoff picture becomes more in focus. The 49ers on a Robbie Gould 42-yard field goal as time expired beat the Rams in L.A. 23-20, snapping a three-game losing streak and more importantly a second straight win over the Rams. And they've now swept the Rams in back-to-back seasons. That is shocking. We talk about how many times the Cardinals have lost to the Rams, but how about the Rams not having an answer for the 49ers without everybody? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo, George Kittle, Bosa. I mean, you name it, this 49ers team might have been the most affected. Injuries and reserve COVID-19 list of any team in the NFL, yet here they are at 5-6. and six. Yeah, and all of a sudden you're starting to see the national media say, don't fall asleep on the 49ers, and they get Richard Sherman back. Yeah, I mean, and Nick Mullins, I mean, they're going to have to make a decision on the offseason. What do they do with Garoppolo and because of the contract? But, uh, yeah, and, and we know Kyle Shanahan, very similar to McVay, great play, play callers. I love the motion and the shifting. They get They confuse you. Um, so um, I would not uh, throw dirt on, on the 49ers, even though I kind of put them out of the race a couple weeks ago just based on the injuries. But um, they're going to either play a spoiler role or they're going to try to go on a winning streak here because um, they, they don't feel the pressure. The pressure is gone. They're not expected to get back to the Super Bowl. And you look at their record, I mean, their uh, upcoming games. Um, okay, they got Buffalo. 
the uh, Washington football team at Dallas, at Arizona, and then Seattle. So I think that's a little bit tougher on paper, including the Buffalo game. I don't know about Washington and Dallas, but then Arizona and Seattle. So it's not a walk in the park for them. I think that, you know, Cardinals may have a more favorable remaining schedule uh, than the um, 49ers have. You look at that schedule, those five games, three home, two road, but in reality, they're all road (laughs) games because, as we mentioned yesterday, the 49ers have relocated their day-to-day operations here to Arizona. They'll play at least their next two home games, the Bills and Washington at State Farm Stadium as Santa Clara County announced new COVID-19-related restrictions, so we'll see what happens. They're due to arrive sometime this week to prepare for that Monday night football game against the Bills, and then they'll just kind of have happen to wait and see. I believe Kyle Shanahan said they're just prepared. You prepare for the worst, and the worst would be to complete the season here in Arizona, which is not going to be easy around the holidays when you're telling your players and your coaches you can't go home to visit family. Family can't come and visit you, and all of a sudden it's these five games because you want to make the playoffs. You want to be playing in January, and they've already dealt with so much this season. Now they've got to uproot everything to a brand-new location and try to have some semblance of normalcy here in the month of December. Well, I mean, we could all chalk it up to 2020, but it's you know it's unfortunate that they're not allowed to play in, in Northern California uh, based on certain numbers when it comes to COVID. And uh, it's not like Arizona's, um, you know, we're, we're spiking again. Uh, I think it's a great gesture from the Arizona Cardinals ownership standpoint. I think it's the right thing to do. Obviously, the league is, uh, you know, um, they don't want to miss any games. And it's interesting that the Bills and Washington are two teams that are coming back to the desert. Yeah, they were. They knew they were going to have to make their way back west, and maybe now they don't have to go as far west, just back to where they've already been once before, talking about the Bills and Washington. By the way, 49ers owner Jed York took to Twitter yesterday. Thank you, Michael Bidwell and the Arizona Cardinals, for all of your help. Very appreciative of Arizona welcoming us during these unprecedented times end of tweet so certainly uh, you wish the best for the 49ers of course certainly not when they play the Cardinals coming up in week 16 but you look at the NFC picture overall here are the top seven teams that would make the playoffs and our favorite phrasing if the season ended today Saints Seahawks Packers Giants Rams Buccaneers and Cardinals one game back the Vikings Bears and 49ers Okay, so we'll know more about the 49ers, um, obviously, in the next couple of games. I mean, that's a tough opponent, even though they're going to be playing at a neutral site. Uh, I'm ready to throw dirt on the Bears. Um, you know, they started off, what, 5-1? and one? Correct. And I like their defense, but their quarterback play, and, you know, it looks like, you know, you look at Allen Robinson, and he wants a new contract, and, and they may go back to Nick Foles, and you could see, uh, you know, Matt Nagy was very upset. He called his team out, so I don't know where we're going to go from there. And I'm a, I'm a big Mike Zimmer fan, and, you know, Kirk Cousins, his numbers on the road versus home are kind of interesting. Uh, we'll see what happens with Delvin Cook, but Zimmer's teams get better as the season progresses, and I'm going to look at Minnesota's uh, remaining schedule right here. Um, looks like they got uh, this week this is week 13 so Jacksonville Tampa Chicago New Orleans and Detroit so three of those road games at Tampa Bay at New Orleans at Detroit yeah so but the, if there's one team uh, that's a team I would I would say is in your shadow nothing against the 49ers or nothing the Bears 
but I think Minnesota has the talent and they have the players and the coaching to possibly get into postseason. Yeah, those are the teams that are lurking in the Cardinals' rearview mirror. As they say, objects appear closer than they really are, and they certainly are. Because <laughs> They're getting a lot closer, Craig. Cardinals are not doing themselves any favors in what has happened over the past couple of weeks and losing back-to-back games. But as we discussed, as Devondre Campbell said earlier today, the Cardinals control their own destiny. Everything they want is in front of them as long as they take care of business beginning this Sunday against the Rams and not worrying. I mean, we can scoreboard watch, but the players and coaches, uh, eyes forward and only as far as the next day's practice. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't do any good for the players to start looking at the the, the schedule. They, they know what the schedule is. I mean, they're, they're obviously when they travel and they're at home. So, you know, the, the next game is the biggest game, and, and now the next one will be the next biggest game. And if you want to be in the postseason, you have to start winning these games. Starting this week, week 13, Cardinals-Rams, 2.05 kickoff, and we'll get into more in-depth on the Rams and what has been going on with the Rams' offense, defense, and special teams as this week continues. On that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.